Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Who's asking the first one? Whatever. Um, how to know how much is enough when creating a lead magnet? I want it to be shit hot, but also want it to actually get finished. I think sitting down and getting out of your head the main outcome that you want people to get from it. Um, and then questioning yourself on whatever you've got planned is the content of that lead magnet achieving that outcome for people. Clearly, most lead magnets give people a taster of a solution to a problem that they have. If you're really confident that the content that you put into it is enough, then it's enough. Um, it, this is one of them things, and I understand how difficult it can be sometimes because you like you want to make it absolutely mint and give it a good and give a great reflection of what the service is like and what your coaching is like or um, what your clients get and all that type of stuff. But then on the flip side of it, you'll probably hear some people go like. Um, don't let it take you forever, like keep it simple, all of that. So the, the the support out there is probably very, very broad in terms of it. But I think if you just stick and focus on yourself and go, right, what's the one main outcome I want people to get? And what are the main key components of the lead magnet that's going to achieve that outcome? Sweet. How can I best deliver that, A, for the consumer, and B, from an efficiency perspective for me and give me peace of mind that it's, it's good? Um, then... I personally think that that's enough. Um, yeah, so I would say that I think you can get right into a proper rabbit hole of kind of um, when you've got your head on creating it, making sure it's absolutely mega for it then to to lose sight of the outcome that it's trying to achieve. And then it's trying to achieve multiple outcomes and then it becomes difficult to try and get across within your marketing. So I think outcomes be clear benefits be really really clear solutions to the problem be clear how can i deliver it and then for me it should be fine to to put out there and then for me it's all in the in the delivery making it as easy as possible for for your market to use it anything you'd add mm, 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 mm. Um, no no i don't think the only thing i'd add in actually is Every every time you do a lead magnet, every time you do a campaign, everything is nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? And I think that you've got to look at each time you do something because as a an, another step forward to learning what's worked, what hasn't, what to keep, what to what to throw away. Um and I'd just reiterate what you said about the objective, really. It's like expectations going up to someone on the gym floor, isn't it? And having a conversation. What's it? You sometimes we are very afraid of doing something or 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 maybe not fully committing because we don't want to get that full rejection back. Um, so no, no, apart from that, no. The the only other thing that I would add to it is it depends also on the standards that you expect from yourself. Um in regards to how you deliver it. Uh, I think sometimes that can slow you down, but I don't think that's a negative thing. So for example, what I mean by that is that 
do you send it off to someone for it to be designed? Um, do you spend longer on the design? Do you spend longer on the delivery? Some people would just be happy to go, for example, here's a program, I'm going to put it out on email. I'm going to write the program in the body of the text and just ping it out and it'll work. Some people might want to do a full-on um, program with videos, branded, all of that type of stuff. There's no right or wrong in that. It just depends on the standards that you expect for yourself, for your business as well. Um, it's a really difficult battle sometimes, but I think sticking to does it achieve the outcome, have I got enough in there that helps them with uh, and benefits them with, that, with them things, then you'll do the right job. Next question. How do you overcome feeling like your business isn't doing as well as you want it to and you are struggling to get leads or people into your business? Oh, for those listening on the podcast at any point, Nick has just stepped away from the Zoom. Hello. It's back. Just fucking doing what you want here, what? Yeah, I do. I've just asked you a question. I'm not repeating it either. I know what you asked me. My dog was going mental. Um, the first thing I would go to is a, a, a checklist of, are you? do you know you are absolutely doing everything you know you should be doing? That's the first thing. A lot of the time, in my opinion, there are gaps in what we know we should be doing, but don't execute or fully commit on those things. I think that's the first thing um, I would look at. And again, using every opportunity to understand what does work and what's not working as well. Um, you know, we tend to do the things that we find easier and less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, we always go to work to the point of least resistance, don't we? So if that's, um, we find it easy to do, I don't know, carousel posts where we know we really should be getting our personality across through cameras, then, um, and we're avoiding that, then that's the thing we should lean into more. Um, if we know that we're shying away from doing calls to action because there's some fear of, failure or rejection or nothing comes comes off the back of it then we know we need to lean into that so i think a lot of the time there are when situations like this happen in my opinion in my experience there are always things we're shying away from for good for good reason and we've all do we've all done that and we all do that um where we know we should be doing more of that or we should be leaning into that but there's a fear of failure that's stopping us doing it um and so that in my opinion that's more more cases than not when this feeling happens um fully committing to the type of things that we're doing to try and attract people to us and the leads we're trying to generate through whatever lead magnets we're doing um and again it, it's embracing the fact that same thing i said to the last question really you've got to look at things as not a pass and fail, succeed and fail versus a, right, this is every every step I take, every time I put myself out there, every time I ask for the business, every time I do a lead magnet, every time I do a campaign, a launch, have a consultation, a call, it's constant feedback to then improve um, to get you to where you want to be. 
So I think you've got to, it's not your fault, but you've got to take responsibility for it, I think is a key thing. So that's how you over, overcome that feeling is by taking more action or taking a different action um, because I'm I'm sure positive this person is, is working very hard, um, but it's about taking responsibility, not blaming yourself, but taking responsibility. So yeah, that's my take on that. Anything different? Excellent news. Next question. I sometimes struggle to get into conversations, um, but of self, but because of self-doubt, I tell myself the story that I have nothing to bring to this person. They probably know everything I could be telling them and that they are just going to wonder why I'm bothering them. As a result, either I cut the conversation short or I struggle to act naturally. How would you go about overcoming these stories? Uh, there's two things. The first one, I would question what evidence you have to be telling yourself that you this person this person doesn't know, uh, or this person does know what they need to know, and that you don't you, you can't offer them anything. Like, what evidence do you have of that, or is it just the self doubt and experience kicking in for whatever reason? Um, and if there's no evidence, then I'd question yourself on them beliefs self-doubts and um and experiences because you've got no evidence to back up that level of self-doubt um my second point is i would never give advice to someone who didn't ask me for it what did you just frown for all right um yeah my going into comp listen this is coming from someone who naturally is results orientated direct wants to solve a problem for people um, very, very conscious of, I will always lean towards advice, probably in my early days, because I was conscious that I wanted to help people or show value or um, all of that type of stuff. So I always, this was definitely a, I would say it was a weakness of, of my personality trait and coaching and communication. Um, but one thing I learned, which took the pressure off and helped me manage the expectations of creating conversations with people on the gym floor is that I've got no right to give a person I've hardly ever met before or just had a never even had a conversation with any advice at all because I don't know them well enough, unless they turn that round and say, what would you advise on this? And then I'd be like, right, okay, well, talk to me a little bit more about that. So I'd be going into your conversations, not focused on giving advice or giving value and just having conversations with people. And they will naturally and organically start to make you feel more comfortable and lead them to asking you more questions to give them advice which means that they're ready for it, value you, and therefore that you're not putting pressure on yourself, like I've just said. So yeah, they've been my two things. Search for evidence on what tells you that that you've got nothing to bring to the person, um, because I bet there's none. And second one is I wouldn't be giving advice to people I've just met or don't know unless they ask for it. That normally takes the pressure off, and it's the right thing to do, in my opinion. Anything you'd add? Only thing I'd add is if you're talking about conversations online as well, is whether that's through people following you or engaging with your content or on your email list, they're there for a reason. So I think, again, lean into that, that evidence um, 
And if you find yourself in the position, like Anne said there, where you're jumping to solve a problem too quickly, just revert back to asking more open questions. That's the only thing I would add on to it. Next. For long-term clients, how do you keep their programming interesting? I want them to be able to have new experiences and feel different sometimes. It's a, okay. Um, I think first of all, future pacing the program so they know what's coming and why they're doing it. Um, that's the first thing. So they can see that kind of roadmap and the method behind what you're going to be doing in each training block. I think that really helps with people's focus, with people's motivation towards the training. Um, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is got, it's not pushing them to do performance-based goals, but when you have that type of um, high-level programming and that they know the aim towards that and how it relates to their goal and how they enjoy those things in the gym and getting feedback for them from them in the gym, whether that's face-to-face -face or online, and getting them to set performance-based goals based on their preferences and what they enjoy, that really, really, really helps. Whether that's, you know, guiding them towards a popular thing at the moment is doing a high rocks competition or or a run or whatever, right? I think that's a big part of the puzzle. Not that it has to be an event, but that, in my experience, really helped a lot of my clients. Um, so that's the second thing. I think the third thing is leaving an element of your programming open so it can be um, personalized and challenging based on the person. And what I mean by that is, as an example, right, if I'm setting a high level pro programming and that training block is focused around strength, right, and the main core lifts are pretty set for that training block, whether that's whatever, right, squat, deadlift, bench, let's keep it simple. But I leave a little bit of wiggle room towards the end, whether that's um, accessory work if it's pure strength or if it's for maybe a little bit of um, metabolic conditioning or aerobic capacity stuff, I can leave that so that it has more autonomy. So they might have a choice on different types of workouts, finishers, metcons, accessory work that they filter through. That really helps with people's um, interest because it's doing something they like and enjoy. So that's the third thing. Um, and also testing weeks as well. So again, they are go, they are being motivated by the fact that they can see and feel progression in a very, in a structured manner. And a lot of people look forward to that testing week as well. Um, and then therefore the next training block. So yeah, there would be my kind of go-to things in regards to the programming side of things. Um, yeah. Anything you'd add? No. 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 I've just, just lost all the questions. Uh, got it. During your gym floor PT days, what was your favourite class to teach, if any? 
That wasn't the next question. Was it? No. It was. It wasn't. What's the word we're missing? Something about a mental plateau for business. No, that's the one after. Okay, so what was that question again? During your gym floor PT days, what was your favourite class to teach, if any? Um... Bob, Zumba. <laughs> um, what was my favourite class to, to teach? Uh, two, actually. Can I have two? All right. Um, I created like a, I called it CrossFit, but with XFit. Um, I, I quite enjoyed teaching that, which was like, as as it says, really, um, it was like a CrossFit class and no one was really doing it at that point. So I enjoyed that and it made me stand out and get a lot of my demographic in to then convert. Um, and surprisingly, actually, I'm just going to add this. I was very surprised how much I enjoyed um, the grit, Les Mills grit. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I went into it very sceptical as a standard, probably arrogant PT. He was not liking any Les Mills classes and all of that, as controversial as that may seem. Um, it was arrogance, let's be honest. Um, but I went into that with a bit of an open mind. And because I've seen the structure was based around plyo, strength and capacity work, I was like, oh, this will be good. And it was fucking good and it was challenging. So I liked it. So, yeah, you got two instead of one. What was yours, Nick? Whilst I try and find these questions. Um, obviously CrossFit because I coached that. But apart from that, in the gym, I loved grit. I really did. Same. Uh, I really enjoyed spin as well. <laughs> Really that, was, that was going to be my other one, to be fair. Um, yeah, a lot of PTs really get their nose up about doing that, don't they? Yeah, I loved it. Um, intense. Say again. It's intense. Yeah, I, I, I had some nightmare, looking back, some cringy moments of where I've coached, let's say, tried to do some form of RPM slash exercise to music, but really I've just put a fucking Chase and Status album on and tried to fucking match it to that. Um, but if they were good, though, they were intense and good. Do you know what I mean? Um, right, next question. How to deal with a mental plateau in your business? Uh, find external motivation and find... And what I mean by, no, so let me phrase that. Find an internal motivation. Um, go back to what you want from your business um, and make sure that excites you, make sure that makes you a little bit and how that relates to your business. It should kind of excite you. It should make you a little bit nervous. Like if it's an easy thing to achieve, um, research generally tells us that it's not going to motivate you um too much so i think find the motivation behind your business definitely um i think focus on the things you enjoy mm, i think learn as well like put yourself think of things that you want to upskill yourself on doesn't necessarily have to be you know practical based it could be diving into something new on 
behavior change or marketing or um yeah communication or nutrition or whatever so i would say those would be my probably my go-tos for that anything else i don't know if you said it because i stopped listing halfway through but maybe take a, a bit of time off if you can just to get away and then reset and do the stuff that you just said sometimes it's a sign that you just need to shut off for a bit of time hmm. did you say that no um if you are setting up your own small space pt gym studio what would be your top three to five things you would want in that gym i.e squat rack bench barbell set basically kit list um i'd have a rig i'm gonna cheat here i'd have a rig with um kind of dual-sided squat racks and then obviously an opportunity to do um, pull-ups and stuff like that from that rig. So that is one. I'm not classing that as two or three. That's one. Cheated. So, yeah, I'd have a rig that has that, let's say, three, four, five either side. Um, we're going to need a bench at some point. So a, a bench to use, not necessarily for a bench, but for stuff like that. Um I'd then go straight to some CV kit, if I'm dead honest. I'd be going air bike. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, you'd have to have a dumbbell rack, so that can have another piece of kit. So that's, what, three? Am I allowed two more? So I've got dumbbell racks, squ um, squat racks, a bench. What else would I have? I only had five. Mm. I wouldn't have an air runner because we can get out and run. Um, I would have, if I'm restricted for pieces of kit, I'd probably have a prowler. And then I'd probably have a skierg. Obviously, you'd have barbells for the rack. If that's one, then I'd have a barbell. So that's it. So that's five. Yeah. What would you have? Anything different? Mm. Nah. I only picked a prowler. I probably wouldn't have done if I had well, I would have done, but um but because you only had five pieces of kit, I only picked it for that reason. I was thinking like some form of hinge station apart, but but you got barbells, aren't you? So I was thinking GHDs, I was thinking stuff More like that. Group. Yeah, I'd I'd go Crowler, yeah. Yeah, just that. Yeah. yeah. Um I think I'd be happy with that, to be fair. Good start. Um when providing feedback check-ins for in-person clients, do you use Loom voice notes or Messenger? Or do you provide feedback for them once you see them? Good question, that question mate what missed the question you missed the question you missed the question oh okay how difficult or scary is it leaving the security of a big commercial gym um to rent space in a studio 
is it's what I'd like to do next year, but need to do need to be more confident in marketing. How scary is it? Um, listen, whenever you let's think about what you're leaving, right? You're leaving. You're leaving a large space, even though it gets busy. You're leaving a space where it has multiple pieces of kit, probably two, three pieces of the same kit. Um, you're leaving a probably a, a team environment, maybe, um, and a shit ton of leads. I mean, so how scary is it? It's that's hard for me to put into context. Um, people find it very People do find it difficult. Um, and 100%, the focus would need to be down into basically replacing those organic leads that you have on the gym floor that come to you um, with a form of marketing externally, online, locally. Um, 100%. That effectively is what is going to give you the confidence and reduce the apprehension and safety blanket of moving into a private facility um so that is definitely it how difficult is it it's very easily done um as long as you it's kind of similar to what we've been speaking about today a little bit um in regards to having a big portion having a decent portion of your week into marketing and awareness and and be and and then more importantly off the back of that is taking some time to be able to understand that marketing and awareness so you can have more confidence on what it's going to what you need to do to generate leads and generate business so how scary is it that's very individual does it have to be not at all as long as you focus on what you've highlighted there in my opinion and to add no. Um, when providing feedback check-ins for in-person clients do you use loom voice notes messenger or do you provide feedback for them once you see them ask them give them them options ask them to pick and then provide the feedback and i would give them them options and ask them to pick every time i did a review as well because situations, lifestyles, environments change. So sometimes people need more accountability, more feedback, more communication than other times than when they're with you. So um, I would just give them an opportunity to pick personally. Anything you'd add? Thoughts on sharing posts from other accounts that have similar niche of followers if the message is useful or helpful for my followers? Thoughts are do it. Definitely. Uh, what do you guys use for recording podcasts, putting it on Spotify, etc.? Uh, Anchor. And then you've what's this new little thing that not you new, but what's the other Anchor one? Spotify? So Spotify now's. Um, so we use Spotify to as our platform. Then we've started to use Riverside. Um, and that's yeah it's very good from being able to chop things up clip it um use the visual um so yeah riverside i would say is the one to 
is what I'd probably say to use. Thanks, really Nick. Good. Was that last question of today? I think so. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, right then. Happy days. Fantastic. Anything you'd like to add to this? No, anything you like. That, that's better than last week and the drivel that you hit people with last week. What dribble was that? You don't know, do you? Exactly. You can't I can't remember. It was that shit. Happy what I said. Happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? I'm always happy, Nick. You ready? Finished? Fuck off. <laughs>